anything on which our heart relies and depends that is really our God. According to that definition, there are no non-religious people. In this, the Christian and the atheist materialist are on absolutely equal footing. You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou... Well, we're meeting online today because a dread virus has reminded us of something we strive very earnestly to forget. Reminded us of our vulnerability, our fragility, our mortality. I was explaining to my kids when I was, when I was a child, I read The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells, and the Martians came and humanity was unable to stop them with our technology, but uh, it was microbes that stopped them dead, quite literally, stopped the invasion. Now the global economy and many people's lives have been stopped by the same invisible agent. It's at moments like this that we turn to our greatest resources as Christians, we are supposed to turn to God, first and foremost. But to what do our unbelieving neighbors turn? Well, technology. It's hard to buy a mask now. And even social distancing is a form of technology. It's a technique we use to try and keep ourselves clean. Use decontamination procedures and rubber gloves and all sorts of things. Some people trust in that. Some people trust in politicians of one party or another to keep them safe and to do what is right. Some people, a friend of mine just said to me yesterday, well, I can't trust the politicians, so I'll trust the media. You have to trust somebody, so why not the media? I was told a few months ago by a friend's spouse that though she was raised in a religious environment, her father was a church musician, although her family wasn't religiously observant, she herself was not the religious type. So Christianity really didn't have any appeal for her. Someday we're going to get together again and I'm going to ask her what she meant by not the religious type. Um, because it made me wonder a great deal, but I'm still thinking about it months later. In his large catechism, Martin Luther said this, reflecting on the first commandment, which is, you shall have no other gods. He says this, he says, what does this mean and how is it to be understood? What does to have a god mean? Or what is god? Answer, a god is the term for that to which we are to look for all good, and in which we are to find refuge in all need. Therefore, to have a God is nothing else than to trust and believe in that one with your whole heart. 
As I have often said, it is the trust and faith of the heart alone that make both God and an idol. If your faith and trust are right, then your God is the true one. Conversely, where your trust is false and wrong, there you do not have the true God. For these two belong together, faith and God. Anything on which your heart relies and depends, I say, that is really your God. Anything on which our heart relies and depends, that is really our God. According to that definition, there are no non-religious people. For as my friend so eloquently said, you have to trust somebody or something. Each of us has something, some group, some philosophy to which we look for all good and in which we trust for refuge in all need. Something that we use as a Rosetta Stone by which we interpret the whole of reality. In this, the Christian and the atheist materialist are on absolutely equal footing. So the question for us in this Lenten season, as we struggle with this particular crisis before us is, as Christians, have we in fact turned to God first at this time of crisis? We're still in the season of Lent, a time when we're supposed to be about greater spiritual introspection. And the current quarantine provides us with the perfect opportunity to do just that. Do we say to the Lord in the words of today's psalm, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Do we trust him by means of continued health or by means of delivering us into his kingdom? To, as the psalmist said, deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Do we make our plans for the future, saying, as the Apostle James instructs us today, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that? Or do we make our plans assuming that our time, our money, our talents, all of these things are our own to do with as we please? Do we count on Jesus simply to forgive us for the fact that we have lived our lives largely without reference to him, the same way our secular neighbors do? Are we living at this time and in every time from our faith? Or are we espousing our faith while seeking our ultimate fulfillment in other things? Most of us tell ourselves, and even believe, that we will invest ourselves more deeply in the things of God when life slows down, when we are not so busy. Well, this quarantine has slowed life down to a crawl. We do find ourselves in a time of slowing down when we are not so busy as we were I liked what one of, my, uh, one of our parishioners said, busy is defined as being under Satan's yoke. So my question is this, do we find ourselves 
now that we're not so busy, more invested in God's Word and prayer? Or is our good intention to do so someday revealed to us to be just another story we tell ourselves? A story to assuage our consciences for the lack of priority God actually has in our lives. If, digging into our own hearts, we discover something like this about ourselves, Jesus has good news to us from today's Gospel reading. If we know ourselves to be blind, spiritually blind, and confess it so to Jesus, our guilt is taken away. That is the great good news of Christianity. A friend has recently become more active in their Christian life, has, has believed for a long time, but is becoming more intentional in their relationship with God and their daily walk. And as a consequence, this friend has come to realize the tremendous amount of sin in their own life. This has caused a lot of struggle and heartfelt anguish, even some sleepless nights for them. So they as a, asked me as a pastor about this. I don't think I answered their question very well. So let me answer it for them and everyone now. Christians are called upon, even in seasons like Lent, not to reflect upon our sins so that we can feel perpetually guilty about them. We should only feel guilty about them until we confess them to Jesus. Because Jesus promises that every sin we surrender to Him becomes His to deal with. What remains for us to do once we've confessed is simply to submit to the healing of the spiritual blindness with which our sin has afflicted us. To submit ourselves to His healing hands. Christians reflect upon our sins. Christians look backward only to look at the cross. We look forward only to the work of Christ within us. We look back at our sins in order to learn from them that we might not sin again moving forward. But we look to the cross for our salvation, seeing it looming behind every one of our sins. And we look forward to Jesus Christ working in us for the sake of our salvation. This is the work we are called to attend to first and foremost in this life. That to which we are to look for all good and to which we are to turn in for refuge in all time of need. My mother struggled with alcoholism. I say this not to tell family secrets, but because both people involved in this little interchange have gone on to meet God now. Um, and I know that my mom hated her alcoholism, hated that about herself, and so she would want us to learn from what she went through. After she and my father separated, my aunt, who was dying of cancer, 
who was always a very direct person anyway, and knowing that she was dying only made her more direct, said to my mom, she said, Sue, for years we thought you drank because of the fighting you had with George. Now you're not with George anymore. So why are you still drinking? And my mom, getting very real with her, just said, I guess I just haven't decided to deal with that yet. Let us not miss the chance to deal with our own idolatry, our own trust in anything that is not Christ. Spiritual sloth, whatever it is we're struggling with in this Lenten season, and during this pandemic, let us not miss this chance. Take this opportunity of slowing down so that we do not miss the blessings of His healing. Healing of soul. Healing that no doctor can give and from which we definitely do not wish to be quarantined. Healing that only our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the great physician, can give. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, in the midst of this challenge to the whole world, to our healthcare systems, to our politicians, to us locally, to keep generous hearts and look out for the needs of our neighbors and not to hoard and only look out for the needs of ourselves. In the midst of this, you've also given us an opportunity. Much of our busyness has been set aside, Lord. Grant us to take this time to focus newly upon you. Not being afraid of what we'll find. Not being afraid of our sin. All that we can surrender to you. But rather looking forward to what you can do in us. Trusting that you who began a good work in us will complete it. This we ask in your precious name, which is forever the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence, my life.